Welcome back to Crawford Insights, the podcast where we take a recent post from the Crawford Investment Council blog and discuss it with the author. I'm your host, Tom Bueller, Portfolio Manager at Crawford, and today we'll be discussing Recession Watch, Inflation and the Fed, with our founder and chairman, John Crawford III. Thanks for joining us once again, John. Happy to have you back. Well, it's good to be here, Tom. Thank you. The topic of recession is one that a lot of people don't want to talk about, but you've taken it on with this article. What inspired you to focus on a topic that isn't often discussed? Well, frankly, there are a number of worrying signs about the potential for a recession. And while we don't think that we are in a recession now, and we aren't predicting one, I think it behooves us to at least be on the alert for one. So I just thought it would be helpful to write uh, this article and maybe a series of things to watch for as we proceed forward in the hope that we don't have a recession. We never want one, but sometimes they're actually kind of necessary. Maybe we can talk about that later. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. You know, the old rule of thumb is that if we get two negative GDP quarters in a row, then that signals recession. We've actually had that over the last two quarters, but your opening comments were that you don't feel that we are in a recession. Why are you kind of going against the grain on that standard rule? Well, first of all, I'll say that I'm not the only one going against the grain. It's pretty much conventional wisdom that the first two quarters were impacted pretty heavily by changes in inventory and trade. And these two issues, while important, don't really signify underlying weakness in overall demand in the economy. So I think that when the National Bureau of Economic Research gets around to designating the next recession, I don't think they'll designate it as having started on December 31 of 2021. So yes, the conventional popular way of thinking about this is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, but the NBER really looks at a broader range of data. And I think the most compelling piece of data is that we've never had a recession when unemployment was 3.5%. So I think it's highly unlikely that we're beginning one now. If we are, as it turns out, it will be highly unusual. Yeah, you point out the employment numbers are very strong right now and that while there's been some slowing or weakness in certain areas of the economy, in general, the economy's holding up relatively well Corporate earnings certainly have held up better than a lot of people feared so far this year. As we look for the remainder of this year and into next year, what's the outlook for the U.S. economy? Well, the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee makes these projections every quarter, and they are still projecting around 2.5% growth for this year. Now, the Atlanta Fed has this service called GDP Now. It actually did correctly indicate that we would have these two negative quarters. But now, for the third quarter, it's indicating growth of maybe 1.6%, something like that. So I think with two negative quarters in the first half, I think it'll be hard to get much above 2% in the second half. So I think it's going to be a slow year from a standard reporting standpoint. Do you think some of those factors that led to the negative numbers in the first two quarters are going to reverse and allow the numbers to increase in the second half? Well, certainly that should be the case with inventories. With supply shortages, retailers 
other sellers really stocked their shelves as much as they could because of the uncertainty of being able to get inventory. So inventory contributed greatly to GDP growth in the third and fourth quarters last year, and retailers wound up with too much inventory, so they've been working it down. So inventories come and go, and they tend to reverse themselves over time, as long as there is a fairly steady underlying level of demand. The other thing that we've seen in the economy really for the last 18 months or so is the inflationary pressures we've been feeling. You know, they're running near 40-year highs. We had a peak number in June, pulled back from that a little bit in July, but still somewhere in the neighborhood of 8.5% on CPI. Why is this such a concern for the Fed? Well, first of all, it's their job to control it. Their official mandate requires that. But the real answer is the purpose of our economy or the goal of our economy is to continue to increase standards of living, okay? Now, if you have wage growth of 4%, nominal growth of 4%, and you have inflation of 8%, then your ability to spend has been reduced by 4%. So increasing standards of living mean you're moving forward. This is why they produce the GDP numbers in real terms. It's whether or not we're growing above the rate of inflation. And so when inflation makes GDP actually lower than inflation, then we're actually backing up. So it's a pernicious thing in the sense that it affects everyone. And so the Fed, rightly, is quite concerned about this. Second of all, it's just, I mean, this is the United States of America. This is not a banana republic. And to have 8 or 9% inflation is simply unacceptable. And so the Fed's going after it. Yeah, Chairman Powell in particular has used some pretty strong language recently. What are your expectations for Fed action for the remainder of this year and, and into next? Well, I think we can only take them at their word, okay? We could try to define whether they really mean this or what they're going to do. We don't really know. What they have told us is that they expect to at least take the federal funds rate to 3.8% by the end of 2023. They also have told us that they're going to be, quote, data dependent, which means if the data suggest they may alter that course, they may go further, they may go less. But when the chairman says and I'll quote him, our responsibility to restore price stability is unconditional. Unconditional is a really strong word. Absolutely. There's no alternative. He said, basically, we have to do this. And so I think that the Fed has made a decision that if they have to decide between recession or inflation, they would rather accept a recession than the continuance of inflation at high levels. With their focus on getting prices back in line, they talked about a 2% level of inflation that they're comfortable with or that they think is acceptable. Do you think they can get inflation down that low in the near term? I don't think they can get down that low in the near term. I think it is achievable over time, but I think it's going to require the Fed to be steadfast in increasing rates and also reducing their balance sheet. And the chairman has spoken about administering a certain amount of pain. 
we're going to have to endure that. So I think they're trying to prepare the country for the fact that we've got a slog ahead of us and disinflation got out of control and we just have to get it back under control. Yeah, you brought up the point of pain that Chairman Powell mentioned last week when he made some comments. Do we have a sense for what that really means? Obviously, if the Fed pushes too hard on raising rates, that could push us into a recession and and that would be painful. But even absent going that far, what kind of pain might we anticipate as the Fed continues in this program? I think the pain refers primarily to unemployment because that's really where you begin to get the effect of interest rates being increased because companies see the demand for their products fall off and so they go into a retraction so to speak by reducing their workforce and of course for people to lose their job that is pain that's real pain and so I think that's primarily what he's talking about. So if we do see the Fed get too aggressive and have a policy error or raise the unemployment rate significantly from here, what kind of follow-on effects do we think that that kind of recession or slowdown might look like? Well, I think you would hope to see it in the inflation figures beginning to come down. But I think in order to get that, I think you have to first see the unemployment rate begin to rise as I mentioned earlier, it's 3.5% now, which is, if not an all-time low, it's a 50-, 60-year low. And so I think that would be the first thing that you would see. Also, lending would contract. Banks or other lenders, they lend on the assurance that the loans can be repaid. And when unemployment is rising, credit quality begins to deteriorate. And so this is kind of a feed-on effect that credit contracts, and that just kind of slows things down because credit's the grease that makes the wheel turn, so to speak. Yeah, I've heard you use that phrase before. I like it. So if the Fed realizes that they've gone too far and they've overcorrected, would they be able to reverse course relatively quickly and get things back on track? Sure. I mean, they have the ability, say they go to 3.8 and all of a sudden things really begin to deteriorate. They probably wouldn't do this, but in the COVID experience of 2020, they went from two and a half to zero in one fell swoop. So they have the ability to do it. Typically, they don't do anything that drastic, but yes, They could take it back to zero pretty quickly. You discussed the neutral rate in your article. It's somewhat theoretical. So how is the Fed supposed to know when they've hit that neutral rate and have things in equilibrium? It's not somewhat uh, theoretical. (laughs) (laughs) It's completely theoretical. And the answer to your question is they don't know. All they can do is see what the signs are and whether or not policy is actually working. But the idea is this, that there's a rate somewhere that when economic conditions are basically in balance, that those conditions can continue because the policy is neither stimulative or contractionary. It's neutral, okay? It's where it should be. So this is an old concept introduced in the late 1930s that has been revised and economists go to great lengths to try to determine where the neutral rate is. Now, the Fed thinks it's between two and a quarter and two and a half percent. 
Uh, some think it's higher than that. And this, of course, feeds into the issue of a policy mistake, because if the neutral rate is not there and the Fed thinks they're there, they're not neutral. They're either above it or below it. So it's a theoretical construct that the Fed does employ. But as I say, they don't really know whether they're above it or below it until the evidence in the economy begins to reveal itself. And what kind of data sets can they look at to determine whether they're there? It's, it's the obvious things like unemployment, what GDP growth is, what the level of demand is, just housing, lending, all of these things that are typical signs of whether or not growth is steady, accelerating, or declining. You know, they definitely have a difficult task in front of them. They're working with blunt instruments that have a, a lag effect before you really see the result in the economy. They don't have a great track record of effectively utilizing those tools to the degree they want to, right? They tend to overcorrect both ways, both when they're trying to slow things down and when they're trying to speed things up. Do you think they'll be able to pull off the soft landing this time? Well, it's not like they've never been able to do it. Actually, in the 93-94 period, they raised rates significantly. We did have a slowdown, but we didn't have a recession. That's about the only instance that I can remember. There's some odds against it, Tom, and there's some odds for it. The odds against it is the fact that the inflation rate is so high and the problem is so serious. Many times they've raised rates to combat inflation, but the inflation rate has hardly ever been this high except in the 1980 period. So the extremity of the issue, I think, reduces the odds of their being successful, all right? On the other hand, there's one thing that could work to their advantage, and that's the fact that the imbalance between supply and demand has been altered by an outside force, COVID, and the shortage in supply is going to take care of itself at some point. It only makes sense. Suppliers want to deliver, okay? So if the Fed can reduce demand on the one hand at the same time that supply is naturally improving on its own, there's a chance you could get supply and demand back in equilibrium or even having supply reach its kind of natural level of being greater than demand. That could be an ally that the Fed has that enhances the chances of success. So forces working against it, forces working for it, we'll just have to see. Yeah, absolutely. As with all things, the future is uncertain, so we'll keep a steady eye on it for sure. In light of that, do you think there are adjustments that investors should be making to how they're positioning their investments today? Well, we have a consistent point of view here, Tom, about the uncertainty of the future. Right now, I think the uncertainty is heightened. How do we deal with uncertainty? We deal with it by investing in really high-quality companies, whether it's stocks or bonds. We found through our experience over the last 40 years that quality is its a way of participating on the upside and protecting on the downside. That doesn't mean that you always fully participate on the upside. It does mean that you don't fully participate on the downside. And so it's a way of smoothing out returns, protecting capital, and participating. 
you know, we talk about this all the time, but this is what we do, and it's been a successful approach for us and for our clients. So I think in a period like this, you just look at your uh, holdings and you try to scrub them as best you can. Be sure you're in the highest quality securities you can possibly find. And, you know, we remain optimistic over the long term. We may have a recession But if we do, it'll end. It's the nature of our economy to grow, and we have tools and institutions to help us do that. So we'll come out of it. We just want to be sure that we're positioned well to endure it while it happens and be ready for the next stage. Yeah, I think that's sage advice. Well, certainly as we move through this time period, we'll see whether or not a recession unfolds or if we can move through this and avoid one. You talked about maybe following up with some articles or hopefully another podcast as we get additional evidence. So love to have you back to discuss this as we get more data. This is always fun for me. So I look forward to the invitation. Well, wonderful. Well, John, thanks for taking the time to cover a complicated topic with us. A lot of people just don't want to talk about it, but you did a nice job covering it, so appreciate that. Being well-informed is something that always serves investors well, so I know our listeners appreciate you taking the time to go through this. We certainly will continue to watch the action of the Fed and hope they can indeed engineer a soft landing. That concludes this episode. If you haven't already done so, be sure to check out our article, Recession Watch, Inflation and the Fed, on our website at insights.crawfordinvestment.com forward slash perspectives. Subscribe to the Perspectives blog while you're there, and be sure to come back next month for another episode.